Gaming MBS episode 163 coming to you Halloween, October 31st, 2017. Welcome to Gaming MBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back if you've been with us before. Glad to have you on board. Thanks, Brett. Well, it's nice. No, dude, it's like this is the this is like damn near Gamehole Con Eve, right? I mean, this is Gamehole Con is in four days. So from at least the day we're recording this, by the time this drops, it's like in two days. So November second, brother, twenty seventeen, Gamehole Con, Land Energy Center. So man, are you ready? No. So I. Uh, <laughs> I have to read my adventure one more time and make sure I have everything printed off that I need. But otherwise, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, man. I'm pretty good. I think I'm. I think I'm set. There are some. It's the print offs that I'm gonna have to make sure I've got right. My player. The pre gens are good. We're solid there. I want to make sure for iron shoes and um, I got that printed out just so I've got the notes bullet points because you know fuck the rules i'll do whatever i want anyway but then for wraith i want to make sure i have my list of stuff so i don't uh go too crazy because i found out i think i mentioned this last time i inadvertently when you register for a game they say hey when would you like the game to start or what are your alternate times apparently my like and alternate times when combined in the right order between the two games are running equal eight hours of game mastering Uh, (laughs) yeah so Avalon for four hours, pee break, and then Wraith for four hours. And then immediately after that, run to the uh, free beer on Saturday because uh, I'm going to need to whet my whistle at that point. <sighs> Sweet. So, yeah, looking looking forward to it. Should be fun. Let's see here. Let's see. Oh, announcement stuff. Um, speaking of fun, cool cons, uh, Evercon is still coming. Uh, Durr, it's happening in January. And uh, still, and we got Alex Cameron. Yes, thank Evercon. you. That's very nice. <laughs> Alex and I have been talking offline uh, what he's going to help run for us. I got a bunch of other guys. Uh, BSers, my gaming group, and other folks uh, ready to run some games, show up, have some fun with us. Um, it would be great to have more BSers there if possible. Obviously, not everybody who listens to us could get to central Wisconsin in January, but if you can, it'll be awesome. So, evercon.org, cruise out there, take a look. And um, and other things that's fun for me anyway, the Avalon Kickstarter continues to progress. I had another discussion with the Encoded Designs crew. Um, Bob, Phil, and Chris and I got together on Friday and talked about um, getting the manuscript that um, I've given them into editing and making sure that we can get things crunched through, working through who do we want the book printed through so that we make sure we've got all those costs and things locked and loaded, ticked and tied so we have our shit together. The last thing you want to do is you know, well, you've all heard me bitch about a Kickstarter before. Last thing I went to was run a Kickstarter and go, I don't know where I'll be printing this. <laughs> where you plan to have that stuff lined out ahead of time. So, so far, so good. I'm pretty pleased with how it's going. It's fantastic, Brett. I'm pretty happy with it. Anything new with you, Sean? Anything cool, fun, announcement-wise? Anything? Uh, no. I don't, I don't think I have anything to share. Aw. We'll come up with I something don't. next time. It's like your homework assignment. I may, Do I something may, interesting, would you? I may, I may embarrass my wife. Yeah. What? what you- so 
Pat Kilbane. Yes. He is, for those of you that know Pat Kilbane or who he is, if you grew up in the 80s, you may know him from Mad TV. So Pat has been to Gary Khan a couple times, I think. And he does, I think, a documentary on some role-playing game and uh, role-playing, role-play gaming. And uh, so he, he's a guest at GameholeCon. Okay. And, and some guests need to be picked up at the airport. You picking them up? So I volunteered, and I got, I'm picking up Pat. <laughs> you going to bring your wife with you? So, so I told my wife, she's kind of a fan, I said, hey, how would you like to pick up Pat Kilbane at the airport? And she says, oh, my God, no. She goes, eek. She's very bashful. Oh. So I said, you got to come along. Oh, no, no, I'd be so embarrassed. Okay. He gets in really late, and I said, she's got to work the next day. I said, so do I. So I gave her an ultimatum. Uh-oh. She can either go with me to the airport. Or? I bring Pat Kilbane to our house. <laughs> <laughs> we bumped into Pat last year, at, or I should say early 2017, at GaryCon. Super, super nice, friendly guy. It was <laughs> it's just cool to talk to. Just We just stopped and bullshit with us for a little bit, and Alex and the guys, so... I could see from what little interaction we've had, Pat going, yeah, that'd be fun. I'll go freak your wife out. <laughs> Just show up at your house. That'd be awesome. He's a, he's, he's a homeboy. He's from Wisconsin. Yes, he is. So at least he, he went to school at Beloit College. <laughs> so I told her. So I said, it's up to you. If you want to be in your PJs, chilling out on the couch, and have me have Pat Kilbane walk into our house, that's up to you. <laughs> and it's not like he can hide really well either because he's like half a head or a head taller than I am. He's a big, he's a tall dude. Yeah. 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 And you know, you do it too. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, Pat, I got to swing back my, by my house quick. It's like not really out of the way. Yeah. I just need you to shock the hell out of my wife. Is that cool? He'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this would be fun. Okay. All right. We'll uh, see how it goes. Let us know how they, if you show up at Game at game Will Come with a black eye, I'll know it went well. All right. <laughs> Or not showing up at all. <laughs> not to go pick you up from the ER or something. Yeah. That's right. All right, let's get into Random Encounter. All right, off we go. Random Encounter. Got feedback from episode 162, West Marches. <clears throat> yeah, let's see. What are we on here? Blake Ryan on the West Marches says, The problem I see is if the quest is not finished by the end of game time, do you abbreviate the quest? This cheapens the challenge, eventually kills enthusiasm. If you leave the PCs hanging out in the wilderness on pause, what happens is someone from that game can play again, but another player who is there cannot. <clears throat> you could have players have two characters each, but then you can uh, get into which character knows what, uh, which character is doing what and where. Not saying it can't be done, only the GM needs to keep track of stuff or it fails. I would love to run a West Marches game. However, some players are either not organized or not initiators and like to react to GM prompts and follow the bouncing ball. For someone like me who loves the game, missing a session because players can't get their shit together is frustrating to say the least. What I generally do is schedule a session, remind them of ongoing quests, and offer a new quest, and let them decide from there. So, Blake, I think what you're saying is a very good point. I mean, if you have a gaming group that you're used to and that you work with, you know how those men and women function, like my home crew. I know how they work. I know what would work. 
uh, with them. A West Marches game for them? I could totally do it if I set it up right. I.e., up front, everybody agreed, off we go. But, um, you know, that question there, you know, what happens if you don't finish the quest? I think that's a good point. You know, not every quest is completable in a single session. So that is definitely something that you'd have to keep track of with your crew. So that does make sense. I like that. I would just make it a rule that if we didn't finish the session wherever we were, they would that's where they would end. And then nobody would know what happened to them. <laughs> you either finish the quest or you just roll, roll them up. Roll up another one. Or you're just those characters that never made it back. They went to the dungeon of, you know, the you know invisible closet and never came home again. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Next one's for you. Interesting stuff. It's a good one to manage, though. It is. Uh, Jason Hobbs Hobbs. My online games are often scheduled for two hours but can tumble into two and a half or three hours. I find it's pretty great. Longer sessions drain me, to be honest. I haven't gotten to the main topic yet, but Strange Stars is a good OSR systemless setting. Hmm. Nice. I've not heard of Strange Stars. And neither have I. And uh, Hobbs does play a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of online games, which is why we kind of shouted out to him asking what he did. Um, I think that um, we said this when we were talking about online online game time. If you say two hours and then have it as a regularly scheduled thing or whatever it is, game night's two hours long online, with the potential to spill over, I think that uh, makes sense. Because you get cooking, you're rolling, you're having a good time, eh, it's 10 o'clock, whatever, go for another half hour. I don't have to get up that early for work. Or whatever the case is. So Exactly. <clears throat> so thank you, Mr. Hobbs. it be good to see you at GameholeCon this coming week. So we'll see you there, brother. Christopher Gray steps up and says, Thoughts on online gaming. I run a three to three and a half hour game of D&D 5e and find it is ample. One difference between face-to-face and online is that there is typically far less chit-chat. You basically get right down to business. Business, excuse me. Um, I should see, I could see a two to two and a half hour game working for 5e up to a certain level, but three would be more comfortable. Hmm. You know, honestly, Chris, uh, Christopher, I should probably call you Christopher because I don't know if you like prefer Chris or Christopher. But anyway, Mr. Gray, um, I would probably be in your camp and leaning towards a three to to four hour game type of thing. Um, Part of that is for me because I'm not gaming every week. When you're coming in every other week, thinking three to three and a half or four hours feels about right. But if it was every week, I could potentially see a two to two and a half hour type game. But I think I'm uh, I'm more in uh, Mr. Gray's camp on that one. Yes, uh, you know, range varies. Yeah, size varies. <laughs> mileage it's, may vary. Whatever range, mileage may vary. Things may vary. Sean's tired. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, Roger Brassley continues. I would imagine some character takeoff in levels faster than others in this type of game. One person's always available to play, and therefore rakes in more XP than the other players. By the way, I want in want in on Sean's game too. Nice. Said two, which means there's somebody else that wanted to be in it too. I think I warned that other person off, so it might just be you and Roger at this point. That could be. <laughs> but yes, that is a very good point, Roger. It sounds to me like there's a little bit of management in that perspective, but you could always set levels like Or you know what? You don't have to in a West Marches game. So if somebody's gonna rapidly climb the ladder, yeah. fine, fine, right? 
they're still going to end up adventuring like with first level, potentially first level dweebs. And since you don't necessarily have to scale encounters, you know, hey. I mean, the other piece too is if so, we've talked about this a little bit with mismatch and in, in level and those type or power level or power creep and various different games with characters like this, you could, I mean, you could potentially have, you know, Phytor is just wailing the shit out of the kobolds and your first level, you know, dwarf elf and, you know, thief are like, oh my god, thank god I brought Phytor because he's doing all the work. Well, uh, Game Master, you would have to make sure that each session has plenty of opportunity for the other player characters to get some spotlight. So Phytor can't just punch everything in the face. There's some clever stuff that has to happen and so on and so forth. Um... The other piece is watch that level climb too, right? As a game master, you can do such things as, hey, you did adventure with um, your fifth level. You adventured with a bunch of second level people, and uh, guess what? No XP for you. There are two levels behind you. You don't get anything unless they're only one level behind you. I mean, there's rules and things you oh. can put in a place like that. To, That's um, a very good one, Brett. I like that one. Because then you show up and you help them stomp the living shit out of it, and you may get some treasure for it, but you don't get any big power boost. So that's a potential thing too. I like that. Well, thank you. Yeah, you could come along, but you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah, other than you've helped them out and you've built a good rapport and had fun had fun playing. Oh, I like I like that, Brett. Good job. Thanks, man. Did you just come up with I that? I totally just came up with that. That's freaking amazing, Spitting man. Spitting diamonds. Spitting mother- All right. Spitting diamonds. We got an audio from Eric Frankhouse. Here he comes. Hey, Brett and Sean, this is Eric from EFP calling in about the idea of group play, community play for a campaign setting. And you asked if other people are doing this, and the answer is yes. For example, Runner Hub Online uses Reddit to put runs together and get everybody involved. The GMs post up the mission, and then they look through the people who post to do the run as, their Mr., as they are the Johnson, and then they make the decision if they should be in the run or not. They use Google Calendar to post up what all the runs are that are available for that month. You sign up for them. Um, You get to play one immediately, and and then they try to take people on who haven't played that month or that week yet. And that's kind of the order of operations to make sure everybody plays. With 10 people, you're not going to have to worry about that as as much. I think the rules you're going to have to think about are minimum and maximum for parties. I think you're going to have to decide what system, and then make sure that you put some caps on things. So, for example, again, in Runner Hub, people can't play certain meta variants. It brings a certain personality type and a certain group of people. So, for example, let's talk about some of Forgotten Realms. Everyone wants to play a drow. You don't want everyone playing a drow. And the way they did this is by saying, hey, you have to have X amount of experience or karma in Shadowrun on a character before you can play higher-end meta variants. You can do the same thing. Maybe once you hit 6th level, you can make a different character, retire one, and continue playing that character with a group. It's no different than what you do with Pathfinder Society. The idea of the map being open and the players doing things, you're going to need a way for them to fill out the map. So you'd need someone to be assigned as a cartographer, kind of like filling things out and saying, look what we found here. Here's the reports I got in. I'm putting a mark here. Cool concept. I think you just have an image that gets uploaded after every game. And then whoever the journaler is or the note taker is sends notes to that cartographer and they fill it out. Great concept. You know I'm in. And if you end up blowing it up larger, think maybe instead of 8 to 10, maybe for every GM that there is, there can be six people in the group to make sure that people can always play. So for every GM, you got six players, maybe eight, since they can't always play. Talk to you guys later. Love the show. Keep on rocking. 
right. Always, always good to hear from Eric. Yeah, I mean, dude knows his stuff. I, he's gonna if he's not a game hole con, I'll eat my hat. He's always there, and he's a he's a good game master. He knows his stuff when it comes to gaming. So uh, he's a good guy. Always has good input. This year, I vow to be in one of your games, Eric, because I am only running one, and I have other than recording some sessions, uh, panels. I, I am completely open. So I, I always say this every fucking year that I see them, but this year. But anyways, yeah, you know Shadowrun's perfect for this type of game, especially when you just post runs and it's kind of almost with the genre. Shit, you could put up a website with like black and green text and put up the it's runs. Totally good, and, yeah. You know, yeah, you know, contact Mr. Johnson. Uh, you know, next meet, next meeting for Mr. Johnson or next rendezvous for this mission. Blah blah blah, and you could do it meta, like meta within the game. I like that because it's cyberpunk, man. It totally yeah. is. It's well within genre. I like that. That's a nice idea. All right, thanks for thanks for the voicemail, Eric, and hope to see you at GameholeCon. Uh, next one, we've got Chris Schwab. Uh, calling one in. Let me get Chris is up here. Hey guys, Chris Schwab here. Just calling in, just finished listening to your West Marches episode. Really interesting stuff. I was thinking about it and would be really uh, – I'm very intrigued about trying it out. I'm actually part of two different uh, D&D groups or RPG groups. I guess the one thing that I would be interested in hearing other people's experiences are um, – how to get your players to actually buy in because they already they will need to do a lot more work in that sort of style of campaign and i have found that players uh, about half the players in the groups that i'm in are pretty not super engaged and don't really work too hard to play and so um i guess they want to play but they don't do a lot of organizing uh so i'm just wondering how you overcome that situation uh otherwise awesome show i had seen matt coville's video before but i'm gonna go watch it again and uh maybe you know maybe i'll try it after all um anyways hope you guys have a great uh, day wish i could be there at uh game hole con this weekend but uh you know i just had pine con last weekend and it was great so uh you guys have a good one bye-bye Yeah, thanks, Chris, for the voicemail. Um, you know, I tell you, it is the, the, per, the perennial complaint that players suck, right? <clears throat> I.e., we <laughs> players. I mean, not that they suck, right? But like, damn it, they're just not doing this. Oh, they're not motivated. Blah blah. blah. I wonder if some of that gets solved if you said, "Look, if I only took players who are also game masters," right? <laughs> because it's like if you're a game master, you have this tendency to say, "Look, shit's got to get done. I'm gonna, you know." Pull my stuff together, make it happen, bing, bang, boom, out we go. And then uh, part of me is like, yeah, you know, I wonder. I wonder sometimes if the best, if Game Masters might be like, you know, be like, look, this is an opportunity for Game Masters to play. Um, no one else allowed <laughs> to be that guy, but it just uh, makes me think about that. Anyway. You know, I was thinking about this, Brett, and you just reminded him, reminded me to bring it up is, Maybe instead of the DCC or Dungeon Crawl Classics player character funnel, you run a player funnel. I'll give you an example. Ready? Go for it. So you 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 throw it out there and say, um, 
you, you put out a survey. I'm going to run a West Marches campaign. Who is interested? Here, 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 right? Okay. Out of and then you go to the next one. All right. Please go to this sub forum, right? Give only those people that said said yes to the access to that. Then you go, all right, how many of you have game mastered before? Here, 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 here. Okay. Next. All right. All you people go over to it's this. It's a funnel. <laughs> it's an experience-based <laughs> funnel for the players. How, how many of you are willing or able to play once every two to three weeks, right? Not a hard and fast because West March isn't like mm-hmm. that. And they say, here, 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 here. And then you go, okay. And then you move them over into the next form. And then you pose another question, like very simple yes, no question. And then when you're done, after your series of five to ten questions, you have a group. <laughs> I could uh, I could work. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just an idea because it is kind of one of those things where I think that it's not always just the players. Like Chris is like, my players aren't really overly enthusiastic about getting involved. Well, okay. So the West Marches game isn't probably going to be up their alley. They're either just not going to grok it. They're going to be like, well, that's so, that's not what we do. We show up, you run the game, which is the complete opposite of what it's supposed to be. And that's why, you know, Hmm. um, that's why it's been proposed. And that's what Matt's thing is all about. So not every style game is going to fit a game group, but keep in mind that the West Marches style game is, is to you know, really kind of expand your group, play with lots of different players. Really. He even says that in the video, Matt Colville. He's like, I want to play with a lot of different people. Yeah, he's got a ton of people he wants he, to play with, and it's hard to do that right. when you have one game you're running all the time. Group. You know, this is basically running multiple right. games essentially at the same time. It's kind of almost too, like, uh, you know, Eric mentioned it briefly, but and everybody probably understands that, is it's not wholly dissimilar from an organized play, except you're an organized play of one game master, and potentially maybe two or three if you want to rotate the game master. But it is essentially, to some degree, kind of a living campaign, organized play to some degree, because you could set some house rules. But the difference is it's not governed by Paizo or Watsi or... Um, Whoever Catalyst Games, who runs Shadowrun, they have an organized play. Hmm. So then you just kind of do it your own kind of organized play. You know, you could stipulate character. I mean, it is really just throw down like your organized play player reference guide, which is all the home rules and character generation and what happens when a character dies and, you know, what happens if you've got like a discrepancy. I mean, going back to what you said, Brett, what happens when you have that one that shows up all the time and gets leveled? Well, maybe they can't game with lower level. Like, if the gap is more than two levels, they can't go out on an adventure with a lower level group. For whatever reason. Just make it a rule. It doesn't have to even make sense. There's all kinds of shit. Yeah, no, it's... I guess the, the important thing is that perhaps... Out of all this, the, the traditional method of gaming face-to-face is obviously not the only method. We have online gaming and various other components. And... Even that way, we can make it more of this type of the West March is a different out of the box type of approach to pulling things together. I'm sure other people are indeed doing other things, as you know, even for Shadowrun, like Eric talked about. So this is cool stuff. It's neat. It's just it's not like mind blowing. Oh my god, I've never thought about gaming like this. But it's right. just it's another way 
even if you don't do it as written, right? Just taking it and saying, I'm going to flip this a little bit. I'm going to make this a little bit different for my group. And um, I like it. I think it's a good idea. All this, all this stuff is great. Even if you yeah. take just bits and pieces and try to implement a chunk of it. Right. And Hobbs is, is probably the one that we know personally that's running something as close to this type of format as, as anyone. I mean, I know there's other people doing it, but Jason does a pretty decent job with his Calmata. Um, and, and, you know, he's always like very open to people joining if they want to. And he just run, runs that and he runs kind of loose. Yeah. Like it's not hard and fast. Like, hey, here's, you know, here's the big lowdown, you know, but anyways, good stuff. Very good. All right, let's get on to the main topic. Let's do that. All right, Brett. What the hell are we talking about this week? Damn well, um, Michael Parker had written to us and was talking about, or, um, excuse me, play by post. And this is something that I've dabbled with. I know you talked about it, Sean, a little bit when Michael wrote in to us in one of our. Do you think he's related? To, do you think he's related to Peter? No, no, two totally different Parker families. He's uh, he's West Side Parker. Oh. The other one's East Coast. Oh, do your fucking research, man. Good. To... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Stanley. So let's dig into this a little bit. So, Sean, when um, when someone says play by post, I recall back in the day. I am old enough, and Sean, you're old enough, obviously, where we can remember in, Dun- in Dungeon Magazine or Dragon Magazine seeing play by mail, like literally post, as in putting fucking postage on shit. There was war gaming well, and role playing games a- that happened. There was a Hyperborean one set in the Conan setting that was play by mail. <laughs> Well, that's a very good point, Brett, because post is what is referred to as mail yes. in a lot of other countries. And we say in America it came via mail, you know, came up through U.S. Postal Service, snail mail. But in a lot of other countries, it's post. Yeah. It came through the post. The post delivered it. I got it, you know, via post. So, if- so yeah, play by post <laughs> in some countries is like... Holy shit, man. I got to write in and send it in an envelope? There is a role-playing game system. I think it's called De Profundus, I believe. It is a Lovecraftian style. And the idea is to actually physically handwrite, no typing allowed type of thing. You handwrite letters back and forth a la um, Whispers in the Darkness, which is an H.P. Lovecraft story, where one person's writing a letter to another person about something horrible that's happening to them, and you're gaming through this method. There's obviously De Profundus has its own rule set and so forth. I'll have to see if that's still out there somewhere. Anyway, um, apart from that very old school method where you write a letter, put it thing, stick in a stick a stamp on it or whatever, and send it to somebody. Um, usually today, when people are talking about play by post, they're talking about either play by email or actually a post that you put on a Google Plus community or a Facebook community or some kind of a uh, chat room. And I think message, message board. board, yeah. So anyway. Sean, I th- I know I know this still happens, right? People do plenty of play-by-post gaming and so on. Are you involved in any of that right now, or is that kind of gone by the wayside for you? I am currently not involved in any type of play-by-post online RPG game. Is there a reason why you're not? Simply lack of interest or time, or what's what's making what's keeping you from it? I uh, don't know. I don't think it's ever been. I don't think I've considered it. I don't think I've considered running one, and I don't think I've jumped on one. I, I would say that it, it is not a huge appeal to me at the moment. 
So I'll tell you the thing, I was running, I ran a couple different ones for my home group because we can only get together once a month and some of the guys wanted to keep doing some stuff in my Avalon setting. And Lenny and Beta had Newton Beecher and they want to keep doing some stuff. <clears throat> the two characters had left the city and were off exploring the Outlands. And <clears throat> we would have these flurries of activity in this community I'd built in Google Plus about activity back and forth. It was very ad hoc, and uh, somebody would be, Lenny would be bored at work one day, and you get the G-plus message. You're like, ah, I got nothing to do today at work either. Um, it's slow. It's over the holidays. not much going on, maybe between projects. So then we'd have this burst of, you know, 20, 30 posts or something for like two weeks, and then it would kind of go away. Um, so I think the thing, when I've tried to organize one, the thing that usually gets us has been the expectation setting around irregular cadence, where... It doesn't, I have not had the problem, we'll talk about rules and such in a second, but I, I don't normally run into the problems or how we'll, you know, determine differences or who wins or who loses or what spells do and blah, blah, blah. The problem has been somebody puts a post out there, you're waiting for Brett to respond, Brett gets tied up at work, has two sick kids at home, wife is out of town, Brett doesn't respond for two weeks, and people forget the game even exists or people get, you know, bent been out of shape, a little hurt feelings, and then you're like, I'm sorry, 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 I'm back. Where were we? Oh, yeah, okay, uh, I do this. And it feels disjointed in that case. So I honestly think that if you're going to do it, um, apart from determining, you know, what kind of system you want to work, how you'd like to do skill checks, combat, you know, you're going to go completely narrative and so on, a cadence is important where even if it, it's kind of like the West Marches thing in a way, right, where you look at it and say, hey, if you're having a, a, a um, social interaction and Sean's character is talking to Lenny and Lenny uh, introduces him to an NPC and the three of us start chatting. Sean can't make it for a week because of work or he's out of town or on vacation or gets sick. No big deal. It's a social interaction. We can always pick up. If a combat happens, though, we need to be able to resolve the combat fairly quickly um, because <laughs> that's, that'd be like you know cutting a big battle scene snip and then say, oh, I'm sorry, the projector broke. Uh, we'll come back to it in, in an hour or two, you know? So honestly, in my experience, the, the thing that's kept me from it has been my ability to devote the time to it. That's what's, that's what keeps me from it more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't help matters no. on my end, for sure. It's goofy because you think, well, I'm online anyway. I'm already checking Facebook. I'm on Google+. Plus. I'm posting in the community. I'm on Twitter anyway. I could easily get another game going, or I could do this simple play-by-post thing. But it's a time sink, right? Not a bad time sink because it's fucking gaming. Gaming is awesome in damn near every format I've ever tried it in. Um, but it is a time commitment. More probably better phrase than sync. It's a time commitment. And if you don't have the time to commit to it, or you and the cadre you're playing with don't have the time, not a good idea. The other component, too, is size of number of players. Um, have we, well, hold sorry, on. go ahead. I want, I, I want to mention something on the time piece. Go for though. it. Because somebody may say, well, you, you, it's, it's good because you can make time. True, absolutely. For a play by absolutely, right? I I can't do face to face. I just I can't show up week to week, um, and I think it's almost like with play by post, it's can be more. Uh, I don't know if micro game is more is is the proper terminology that I want to use, but it's very 
it could be a little bit in the minutia. Yeah. And and I I just say that I can't make a two hour game. I can't make a two or three hour game once a week or once every other week. And I in an eight hour commitment once a month is even too much. But I get these little weird convenience convenient slots, right? Mm-hmm. Where I wake up early Saturday morning, nobody else does but me, or I work third shift. So the time schedule for me and the rest of the group is off. But I can always find time to, to type in a 10-minute post. That's a very good point. I mean, so when I'm saying that the turnoff for me is the time commitment, for somebody else, that may be the absolute best selling point for it. So thank God I can actually carve out the right time in my schedule to do this because when I'm available is 3 in the morning based on what I'm doing for work or how my cutovers are going this week or whatever's happening. Hey, that's just the perfect time for me. Or <laughs> you're in Australia, somebody's in Taiwan, someone's in Germany, time zones, fucking A, hard as hell, excuse me, to get people lined up and in one place. So, yes, the uh, the time commitment, um, downside for Brett, but it may be an upside for somebody else, which the perfect solution type of thing. So that's a very good point, Sean. Thank you. Um, I think, do, 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 when we talk about group, um, in my experience, anything more than a handful, and I'm talking like four players tops. <coughs> Damn it. Allergies are kicking my ass. Um, four players tops I think is is about it. I've tried it before with like five or six, and it gets really, really, really clunky. At a table, you can have five or six people, maybe eight. You know, I've had my big ass groups of 13 or whatever. You're doing your mini LARP type of thing. But I think when you're doing this, it's easier to organize and coordinate, partly because what you said, Sean, is, is dead on. In my experience, anyway, it's been very small type of storylines um, where it's been very, you're talking to a person and it could last 10 posts, right? It feels very intimate, very, very one-on-one in a very private environment and having, um, you know, six, eight people all clamoring for attention and so forth, it might not be the right move. So I would watch the number of people at least start small and maybe determine if you could add more later. But I would think three, maybe four, would probably that would top it out for me. Yeah, it would be this would be a situation where I would not want to go very high at all. I mean, even even a two player play by post might be interesting, but you get too many and it's it the structure, timing when they post and what's it being handled and then you're as a game master just remember you're potentially replying to each one separately in text. Yes. So while I could sit here and talk to to Brett for an hour, if I were to type up this show, hopefully it would take me the same amount of time. But, you know, I'm also one of those folks that if I'm writing a post online for anything and it's any length of time, any length, I should say, even a blog entry, you know, I may read, read that thing three or four times and make sure that it reads properly. So I'm like constantly backspacing. You do that for like five players man i'll be there all day it's very true <laughs> that's very true and you know if because if you say something shit how many times has somebody posted something online and someone goes oh my god i can't believe you believe that clearly and you're like oh fuck i totally misspoke god damn it my words did not type out correctly where if sean and i are talking where you're face-to-face or even online and sean goes wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute yeah you're going down the wrong path i meant this other thing so choosing your words carefully becomes very important because when it's play by post, 
every word you use is being scrutinized. Not only because I don't get any visual clues, right? But I want all the context, all the subtext, all the whatever I can pull out of the text to make the world alive to me. So you need more physical descriptors, right? Um, big, how they're talking. You can't mimic anything because you're not doing the talking yourself. You can't try some accent. You can't do whatever. You've got to put parenthetical, you know, in a Southern Bell voice, in a Cockney accent. Um, sounds like he's from the east side of Berlin. You have to put something in there every time to help denote things because all of those pieces and parts are clues and it's like reading a novel, right? You want to have all those words because it helps you solve the, whatever the mystery or investigation, whatever it is you're going through, all of the words that the game master puts down, all of the words that the player puts down are critically important. You know, I dodge to the left. So you're going this way. Oh crap. I forgot. There's a wall over. No, I need to dodge to the right. That could be a five post back and forth of I fuck something up. So you're trying to be very cautious. So anyway, long story short, I think you're dead on, Sean. It's your the there's a definitive heavier lifting with the words at that point. Um, yeah, just imagine doing just imagine doing walkie talkie, but the other person doesn't respond for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is if you're doing it in a large community, like a Google Plus community, where I've done most of it as of, as of late, and when I say as of late, I mean within the last three to four years, um, everybody can see it. So it's harder to have private conversations if you're doing something, you know, even more intimate, like where Sean and Brett are talking, and then I go talk to Lenny, and then I go talk to Ange, and then when I'm done, I bring the, th- I bring the three of them together to have the bigger discussion there's some post-management that can have to happen there, right? Like, hey, do I have different communities for individual stuff? I mean, the simplistic answer is, like, if you're using a free free place like that to post, is like, everything that's out there is open for everybody to see, no different than gaming openly at a table. And you try to get people to make sure that they don't do something stupid and use information that Ange brings out to your advantage because your character isn't there. No different than you would at a table. But the same type of same type of conversations can still happen, right? Right. So, Sean, when you have done it, do you um, did you have any system that you used in the past, or any? I'll get. Let's throw that out. Is there any game system you can think of off the top of your head that would work best for this, or something? If I said, "Hey, I'm going to do this," or you'd want to do it, do you have any system you'd think, "Hey, that's the that's a good one for this"? Mm, I don't know. I would say something more abstract, obviously less tactical, just because tactics end up getting into the nuances of positioning and all kinds of different things. I think you can still do it. I just think it's easier if you did it more uh, narrative. I mean, powered by the apocalypse, Apocalypse games, it's probably they're probably going to shine quite a bit. I think in play by post, diceless systems would be just one system. Diceless. I mean, or- I, I go back to Amber because that's the one I'm most familiar with. But uh, Active Exploits is another diceless system. There's uh, what Shadows and Gossamer, which is a slightly different variation on the Amber theme. But diceless ones because they're all about narrative positioning. But any game that's heavy into narrative positioning for stuff. Um, well, the questions I used to get from my players is like, do you want me to roll? 
I'd be like, sure. If you have some dice with you, you have a die roller. Roll and tell me what you got. But a lot of time, it just came down to actually collaborative storytelling, like storyboarding something in, in a room, like saying, what happens next? Um, what's the most interesting interesting thing that should occur? Um, but if you are going to have a system with die rolling mechanics, card flipping mechanics, or whatever, the other piece is to make sure you, you and your players have absolute trust in each other because unless you're using some kind of a uh in electronic media or even if you're doing <laughs> if you're doing old school play by mail um you're trusting people to roll the dice use whatever tool they're using and um then tell you what the results are which can slow things down so i would think that a pbta style game with minimal checks and, and or the the types of checks are more prescriptive in how they result like hey a Three to five does this, a seven to nine, or whatever. I don't know the complete scale very well. But <clears throat> knowing how those things function are are more prescriptive, at least. And maybe that's a, a, a loaded term. but And then a game like Amber where, hey, you know, if you're the best at this thing, you win unless the other person out-narratives you. So those type of systems, I would think, should prob- would probably work better. I've done it with Pathfinder. I've done it with... Um, D&D, and a lot of it came down to much more narrative discussion. A lot of the hardcore tactical, I move five feet, I check here, I do this, got hand-wavy whitewash just to simplify it for the for the format, right? Because you don't have a grid in front of you to move the, move the characters around and make sure it works perfectly well. 5e would probably play different theater-of-the-mind style games uh, that are heavier that way, again, with more narrative positioning, just a better solution, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I Would agree. you do? I think like a Google Plus community or Facebook group seems like the most logical free type of thing. But I, I haven't checked Obsidian Portal in forever, so I don't know if they have anything that would do that or not. Email is okay, but uh, email's dying. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a dinosaur type of damn near as good as putting a stamp on something. Is there a better format that you can think of or that you know of? Well, there's some specific, um, which I should have probably thought about putting it in a die roll, but there's some specific online websites that are geared around just play-by-post. Okay. So they have different different ways of posting and breaking it down and cross-posting to a different, I guess, a different area. So you could segment the messages only to go to Brett and only go to this person and then bringing it back. So I, I got to imagine that they're potentially based on the old um, forums, forum formats. And I say old because they still exist, but I mean, forums have been around for yeah. a while. Okay. That may, and that makes sense. I honestly didn't even look into that, but you're right. There's got to, I have heard of them. I've heard people reference them online, but I don't I don't frequent them, so I don't know what they're looking like right now. If there's a listener out there who's using them or has some saying um some favorites that they want to share, that would be awesome because I'm sure Michael Parker isn't the only person out there who if nothing else if you're not interested in it, it's another style and approach to gaming that even if you haven't thought of doing it before, if there are decent formats out there or examples of play for these types of environments, it might be really cool to be able to take a look at them and see what they are. So if people have um, some links or any ideas that they can throw to us, that'd be pretty cool to see. I have done it via email as well back in the day before um, 
because uh, my buddies and I weren't necessarily big into forums and stuff. A lot of it started for me with when it came down to email was downtime. We talked about this a little bit before where I would have when we're gaming once a month where we'd be playing a pretty intense campaign. The guys would be like, oh, I want to do some stuff before the next game. Can I do that? I'd be like, yes, everybody has two weeks of downtime. Email me what you get accomplished. Then we'd have kind of a back and forth. I want to try these 10 things. So you get six of them done. Shit. Okay, thanks. So I guess where I'm going with that is the other component of play-by-post is that it can augment. We talked about this a little bit before when we touched on um, the whole playing away from the table thing, but it can be a way to augment your game. And it ties in kind of nicely, I think, to the West Marches type of approach is that that is more meta, right? But there's plenty of fun components to it where you should be sharing all the information you found. You know, you go back to the end in, you know, the West Farthing, which is the safe haven for the campaign, and you show up at the Copper Cup and you say, wow, we just went to the lair of the Bar East and we just found this, 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 and this. Can anybody make heads or tails of it? And then that type of gaming is essentially play by post, where you put something out there and waiting for someone to respond to you. And it's not organized in so far as people are necessarily rolling die checks or whatever, or maybe they do, I don't know. Um, but it's another way to keep activity happening between game sessions or to have private discussions um, with smaller subgroups in a larger campaign setting. So I think play-by-post, even if it's not the sole format for an, for your RPG session, it could be an augmentation, um, possibly, for your regular, more traditional approaches, in that, including online gaming, too. Yes, I agree. Really? That's good. I was waiting for it depends. Yeah. No. No depends. This no None depends. This time. Do you do you think None. um now would you use play by post to do an augmentation type thing like that? <laughs> <You dick>. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. would. Yes. So I was just thinking because if you want to run a, a West Marches game, it feels like that type of thing's gonna it's gonna yeah. pop up. It's yeah. going to pop up, right? Somebody, like I said, we're going to come back to the West Farthing or wherever the hell your your home city is, and someone's going to say, oh, my God, I just found this thing. Uh, wait, the wizardess, you know, you know, whomever knows this thing, so let's go find her and talk to her. And it happens to, of course, be, you know, Eileen's character or whatever it is. got to go find this person or talk to Brandon's character and figure out what's going on. So I think it makes sense. Well, I think it'll end up, it'll end up like that or either meta. Like, you, it'll just be, hey, we went off, found these things. Who wants to go off and explore some more? I want to go over to this area. Who's with me? Blah, blah, blah. Rinse, repeat. Rumors. Here's some rumors. They're found, you find this one by this person. Find this one by that person. No, actually, that brings up. So I think that, that's, that's a really good point. Is Some of the play-by-post war games used to happen. When I say that, it was the old school, you know, lick a stamp, stick it on an envelope and send it out. And they would process your turns once a month or once every couple of weeks. They were very meta. They were like, hey, general, um, you know, County Corwin was destroyed. We're moving on uh, the, the barony. After that, we want to go to, you know, the West Marches. Well, we failed at the barony. We just got the report back from the front. This didn't work. Shit. So your play-by-post game can be a level higher. It doesn't always have to be Brett and Sean interacting game master player character. You could do, if you wish, more of a mass combat thing where you have generals back home and your characters <coughs> excuse me, are in charge of armies. 
and they say, this is what we want to do, um, or they're kings or whatever. And this may be another thing we bug Hobbs about for the, the access to adventure conquer king. But when you take it to a higher level where you're not always on the front lines, you're trying to expand out into the wilderness, you know, think about the people who are kind of funding, if you will, the West Marches campaign, right? The kings or queens that are vying for this wild land that's out there to be explored. And they're getting the reports back from the adventures that have gone out and done things. They're giving new new plugs and pushes for the characters to go. But anyway, instead of being character-on-character character action or NPCs and so on, you can take it up a level for your play-by-post gaming and have it be more of a very meta or a kind of a war gamey type feel too. Or, hey, did this work? I sent a, my group of adventurers. I'm in charge of five adventurers. I sent them into the Dungeon of Despair. Who came out? What clues did we find? What did we learn? Well, Sean, your five adventurers, two of them died, unfortunate. But uh, here's the five clues. Here's the 60,000 gold pieces and the plus two sword you found. Great. I'll go to the inn and find some more characters and so on and so forth. So you could even bubble it up a level higher and do away with some of the very detailed discussions and have it be more of a command and control perspective where you're sending a squad of something to go take care of a problem. And then the Game Master simply reports the results of said squad's actions. I think that could be kind of fun, too. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but Flying Buffalo is one of the first play-by-mail companies. Did they? Was it Flying Buffalo? And I think they, I think they still, I think they're still going. I'm on their website, and their last update of the play-by-mail section was September 19th. Holy shit! Damn. Yeah, I th- I read that in the the game. There was that um, shoot that series that was kickstarted. Um, it wasn't by Evil Hat. But I think Fred Hicks was involved. It's all those ga- uh, gaming and designers. Okay. Oh, designers and dragons. Designers and dragons. Designer, yes, designers and dragons. And I believe when you look up Flying Buffalo, if you're not familiar with Flying Buffalo, they are the ones that came out with Tunnels and Trolls. Yes. Um, but they had they had play by mail, and I think they're still doing it to this day. So we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to. Get in on a game because they have different games listed that you can join, and it's broken down by category. But anyways, another thing we did not touch on with play-by-post is not only the rules, like house rules, but you have to get into – you almost have to have a set of house rules because you have to consider things that are not broken down into the regular game. So in a regular game, you just be like – even in a Dungeon Master's Guide – you pull up the 5e DMG and it talks about, oh, how do you play a role-playing game? And here are some things to consider. And, oh, don't forget snacks. And, you know, here are the different personalities that you may encounter at the game. I mean, it's a very comprehensive guide, but there are many things that it does not cover when you're dealing with play-by-post, which is, you know, some people will say, if you're in character, you italicize your words. If it's like rules or you're asking outside of character, then you're doing it in another thread or you're doing it in bold text or what, you know, all those subtle nuances come into play. And so, um, there's guides I'm sure online, which we haven't Googled and put in the show notes, but I'm sure there are guides. It's format, right? It's all format, you know, all format. That's very cool. I like that idea. So, well, sweet man, if there's, I'm sorry, so there go was, ahead. 
I was just going to say that there's, I mean, some people will run, here's the out of character section. Here is the in character section. And it's two different forums and, you know, however they want to do that and organize it and what the, whatever you're using and permissions wise. But yeah, the formatting is comes into play. Or what happens when you get into combat? Okay, you're going to roll three dice and you're going to tell me your next three actions and then I'm going to tell you what happens. And then, and oh, by the way, I'm going to put a date down or a timeline. And, you know, everything when we get into combat is going to, you have three days to respond or whatever that is. So you stipulate, and if it's not three days, then I'm going to narrate it. So then you're almost taking it out where Brett was talking about, well, I can't show up, and this person can't post. We can work around it. You can actually stipulate deadlines. So here's the deal, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking for your response no later than Friday, end of day, and if not, I will take control of the situation and tell you what happens. Speak now, loser. <laughs> Yeah, and this is what's going to happen, you know, and then, you know, so you miss that one. Big deal. And then you can come back, and what happens if you miss more than three? And, you know, what if you don't respond in more than three weeks, three months? You know, how does that dealt? And then, bring you know, so there's a lot of nuances that we didn't get into on actually running a play-by-post, but I just mentioned some that you may want to consider um, when looking into Very cool. I'll tell you what, if, if there's people yeah. out there who have done this, I'm certain there are. Some of our listeners are either actively doing this, have done it in the past and whatnot. <coughs> Excuse me. Sean and I have once again shown our uh, vast ignorance on certain topics, and I'm sure there are people doing it better, smarter, and faster than all the things we've talked about. So hit us up with um, some links, ideas, and various other things, and we'll be happy to share them around because, um, like I said, I'm sure Michael Parker is not the only person out there who is at all uh, interested in uh, seeing what this is like. So, hey, share the wealth, man. Shall we? All right, let's get into die roll. Die roll. All right, two to four miscellaneous points, topics of geekery, inspiration we want to bring to you. Brett, go ahead. Yeah, I got man. two of them. One of them is uh, a bit of just gameable fun is that there is apparently a theory, uh, of course, bizarre, that the actual year, it is not 2017. The actual year is 1720. What? Because the early Middle Ages, they were faked. Totally faked. Yeah. <gasps> what? Fake history, fake news, fake all that shit, man. So anyway, link in the show notes. That I thought was kind of cool. Fake news. <laughs> Not just happening in the 21st century. Exactly. It's uh, yellow journalism, but for the Middle Ages. Um, so I did some digging while we were on the, um, on the old cast here. And uh, yeah, De Profundis is indeed still around. It is, uh, there's a second edition. Cubicle 7 owns it. If you go to drive through, follow our affiliate link, that'd be awesome. Um, damn thing is on sale for $6.20 right now. Utilizing a mix of letter writing, email, and text-based gaming, depending on your chosen era of play, it's a perfect game for the modern, time-strapped gamer. So it uh, looks kind of cool. I think I might have to grab myself a, a little PDF copy of this and uh, maybe give her a go with some of my buddies. But anyway, De Profundus is still alive and still there. Sean, over to you. All right. So as this has made its rounds, uh, D&D campaign running for 35 years. There's a gentleman who videoed it um, and has, again, made its rounds on social media and some other uh, news propaganda. Man, I thought sites. my 15-year campaign was like fucking kick out. I'm nothing. That's like less than half of this man's, man, 
I suck. Chump, Chump change. change. Chump change. Just nothing. I'm going to go yeah. cry. No dedication. None. No dedication. For oh, just, 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 that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm burning my books. Hang on. I'll be back. All right. Uh, Ethan Gilsdorf, who is the author of Fantasy Freaks and Game and Geeks, which is a book I've read. I thought it was quite entertaining. Um, he tweeted on Twitter, huh? and uh, he reenacts the 80s. So he's inspired by Tales from the Loop and, of course, um, Stranger Things, which has just dropped this past Friday. So he he did a big expose. Uh, uh, what is it? I think the Boston Globe put it out there. And you see him kind of talking about the 80s, riding a bike with a banana seat and sissy bar. <laughs> Friggin' awesome, man. So I told him, I'm like, dude, and he chimed in with Watsy, you know, because they were playing D&D in there. I'm like, dude, you got to play Tales from the Loop. I never heard of it. And I said, dude, here it is. Here's a Did link. you really? You'd kill it. Nice did. done. I'm like, here, yeah, this is where you go and check it out. So hopefully he'll, do, he'll see that. But anyways, if you're a fan of the 80s or running Tales from the Loop or even the, the latest one, what, Monster Hunters Club or something, I think for Savage Worlds that was pimped on the last show, um, check that out for some inspiration. Next one, The Uncanny Resurrection of Dungeons & Dragons. That's featured in the New Yorker. New Yorker's got some really good articles, exposés. This one is, they're very good length, right? They're not puff puff pieces. So check that out. Um, It's making its rounds as well. Next one, Dungeons and Dragons wouldn't be what it is today without these women. So this is on Kotaku, which is a pretty popular geek site. They put out tabletop and video game geek culture articles. So check that out. A little bit of history about the women behind D&D. And then the next one, Ryan Hiller's blog, geekdad.com, has an article on play-by-post gaming. So here's something that was dated in February of this year, 2017, where he talks a little bit about play-by-post and mentions a couple forums and some things to keep note of. Um, Check that out. And then lastly for me, Flying Buffalo, play-by-mail. Just click on it. You're going to get taken back in time when you go to that website. It looks like something that was put up there in 1992 or 93. Straight HTML. Good God, that thing's ugly as shit. <laughs> I'm on it right now. No, CS, no CSS. Uh, yeah, so if you want to play-by-mail, there it goes. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I read about it, and it, that's like how the company – got off the ground was people and they would like you pay like a subscription or a fee to them to manage it and they would like make sure everything was updated and routed and well, I don't know all kinds of stuff but anyways you want to mention the uh, listeners there absolutely Brett? Israel Rocha, friend of the show uh, points out an interactive map of Sigil uh, City of Doors from the old Planescape setting I was looking at that while Sean was rambling there and it's pretty freaking cool that's really, really cool. So take a look at that. Link in the show notes. And Kev Thulu, uh, again, another friend of the show and buddy of mine and uh, Sean's personally. Lakes of Mercury and Human Sacrifices after 1,800 years. Uh, Teotihuacan reveals its treasures. Of course, this is incredibly gameable. So go take a look at that. That is really, really cool stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Steve C. at Hogtown Games for the Dice Roll zine. Posted that uh, a few episodes ago where I found it, and then he actually sent me a copy. So uh, pretty cool. I may take it to Game Hole, just have it on the table for anybody who wants to take a look at it. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I want to also welcome Laramie Wall uh, to the fellow BSers. Laramie um, went on Google Plus, said, hey, found you guys, blah, blah, blah. Just want to let you know. So thanks thanks so much for finding us and sticking with us. It sounds like he's in progress of starting at one and listening forward. So you're muted, Brett. That's all right. Anyways, no, I just, I just, Brett. I had to, just taking, taking it all in is what I was doing. <laughs> uh, right. What are we talking about next week, Brett? Uh, because oh, it, depends, it depends because guess what next weekend is Sunday last day of game hole con so this time next next this time next week we will be thoroughly exactly exhausted. we may just have to uh do a uh, do a show at the con uh through our raspy scratchy voices and uh kind of wrap that up but the other one of the cool things that just from a raw podcasting perspective that is really neat from game hole con is after we meet Listeners, friends of the show, just friends of ours, people who don't even fucking listen to us, but are just friends of ours because they're just great people. Um, I learned so much about gaming, just going to these conventions, talking to people, you know, bumping to Jen Brinkman, learn what she's up to, talk to all these other gamers, just all these really cool people. And um, I get topic ideas and really cool concepts of, hey, what what's out there and what's going on, which just kind of feeds the show, so... We'll see, man. It totally depends on what what do we learn. What do we learn this year at Gamehole Con? We'll bring it back and share it with you. Wow, jeez, man, that's a that's that's a good wrap up, Brett. I I don't know how I could do it any better. <laughs> All right. Well, having said that, uh, this uh, show brought to you with the help from the following patrons. As long as I can bring it up as I kind of draw it out here, bringing up the names. You'd think I'd have them all memorized by now, I think Brett. You would. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Jeff Rodemacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony, Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Annie Hall, Sean Nicholson, Jim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs. Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Pierre Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Graham Minor, Tom McGowan, Roger Bryson, Mr. Eggmark Productions. Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froilich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf, Baker, Todd Crapper, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, Wiss Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf. Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric Hoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune, RPG, Christopher Lang, Chris Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Saka, Larry Hout. Evan Harrison, Cass, Ray Otis, Mark, CMG, Culver, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, Matt Stark, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, Steve, John Steve, Jared Rasher, and Mark Richmond. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider heading over to gamingandbs.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, friends. That was pretty good, man. Thanks, buddy. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. Good game and all. 